0: Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help women who have lost children to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Life Coach and Certified Grief Recovery Specialist. Hello, hello, my friends. I am so excited to welcome you to episode 31. Today, I have a special guest, Rebecca Turvo. She has become a good friend. We met through life coach training, and I'm super excited to have her on the show. So I'm going to go straight to the interview, and you'll get to listen to her remarkable story of tragedy and rebuilding. She is the epitome of building a life of purpose and joy. All right. I want to introduce my friend, Rebecca Turvo, to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here, Rebecca. Thank you for inviting me, Julie. It's it's going to be amazing to hear your story and and everything that you have done over the last few years. So um, that's good. I want to tell you a little bit about Rebecca before we get started. Uh, Rebecca's 17-year-old son, Trevor died unexpectedly by suicide in 2012. Her life took a major unhealthy turn in the years following his death. In 2016, she chose to figure out what her purpose was. As part of her healing, she left a 24-year accounting career Lost over 35 pounds, started a coaching business, and learned how to create the life she lives today. She has authored two books, shares her story nationally in front of all types of audiences, and is leading a Healing Hearts retreat in Chicago in October 2019 for Moms Grieving a Suicide Loss. So we're really excited to have you here to hear more about your story and everything that's happened after this tragic loss that you've experienced. And and we'll be able, to, you'll, at the end, I want you to tell us more about your retreat and, and okay. the things you have going on. So, Great. Yeah. So, uh, Rebecca, will you start by telling us a little bit about li- what life was before? Before two thousand twelve, when when uh, when Trevor died, yes, yeah. So uh, we live in a you know upper Michigan
1: in a small town, a very small community, and my husband and I had four children at the time. And um, let's see, Trevor was our second child, so we had two two boys and two girls. And I feel like it was just like a normal life. You know, you go to church every Sunday, you go on camping trips in the summer. Your kids are in sports, and in school stuff and like it just felt normal to me like we were living what you're supposed to be doing and then um you know and I, I felt like I had it pretty well together you know my husband had a good job we both graduated from college we both had good jobs like I feel like everything was going how it was quote supposed to go and then the, you know then Trevor um unexpectedly died by suicide we had no idea that there was any depression nothing. Um so that was the turning point in trying to figure out what you know this quote normal life we had now what like it doesn't make any sense, you know, to to me who was a very do 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 type of person. You know, you do this, then you do that, then you do that, and then everything's good. You know, that's what I thought life was about, but apparently not. So
0: yeah. wow that that must have been so shocking to yeah you, to your family, just so hard. Tell, tell us a little bit about Trevor. I've, I've read yeah. your, your book. Uh, okay. Shatter, and yes. so, so I got to know him a little bit yeah. in that book. Yeah. So it'd, it'd be nice for you to be able to share a little yeah. bit about, about Trevor. Yeah.
1: So Trevor was, um, he was a goofy kid. I guess that was the first word that came to my head. He was goofy. He was, um, silly he loved to tell jokes he had a really dry sense of humor he was a very very good student so he was a straight A student he was very I think I always thought that he had plans but now I'm not sure because of what happened I'm like did he have plans but he was very into things like magic shows or or like magic sets and anything that was really complicated all those complicated games which I didn't understand like he was all into those I don't I never could understand how to play some of those things, but he was really like, he liked a lot of puzzles. He was very, I heard a story from a friend of his that he read the dictionary twice through. I'm like, who reads the dictionary? (laughs) Like, this is the kind of kid he was very, he was a very good writer and he was a a musician. He knew how to play the piano and the guitar and several other instruments. Um, So I just thought he had a lot of talent and a lot to live for. Like I didn't, See anything wrong? You know what I mean. Like it's just, yeah. So he, you know, he's a great kid.
0: <laughs> well, and and had a lot going for him. I'm obviously what, very oh, yeah. very smart, very very talented, yeah, very talented. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me about your. So you have four children, and yeah. Trevor was the second. He was 17. So how old were yeah. your other kids at the time?
1: Yeah. So Dylan was 19, and Kendra was. Fifth, let me think. Seventeen. She must have been thirteen. Yeah, she was thirteen, and then Annika was eight. Okay. So we had quite a range. (laughs) Yeah. Going on there. And your
0: oldest son was he at home?
1: Yeah. So everybody was was living at home. My oldest son was going to college at the time. He was in his second year at college. We had a. That was the time in our life where we had a child at like four different schools. It was weird, Mm -hmm. like a university, a high school, a middle school and a grade school. We had all this busyness going on at the time,
0: you know, right. So right. And that just suddenly changed overnight. So tell me a little bit about what happened in the aftermath.
1: Yeah, yeah. So after Trevor died, um, I mean, of course, it was just sudden, we had no idea. And I think, like, right away, I think everybody was so in shock, like, the whole community and the school. Like, this is one thing the school told me when I called them on the day that it happened. The, the, the principal said, so what would you like us to say at school? And here's the school asking me what I want them to tell the kids, I have no idea. Like I am just lost my son. Like this didn't make sense to me that they didn't know what I said, well, what, what did you say before? Oh, nobody's ever died by suicide before at our school. I thought, Oh, right. Like it, see, I feel like there was this part that people just wanted to ignore it. Like it didn't happen. Like this doesn't ever happen to us. You know, nothing, you know, it just felt really from the beginning, we felt really odd and disconnected from everybody you know Mm -hmm. because nobody understood you know what was going on nobody wanted to really acknowledge that this could be an issue for anybody like if it could happen to us they're like wait a minute something is going on and what is it people became very concerned about their own children because Uh people knew us people knew our family in our community the the school my mom had worked at the school for 25 years she was a teacher there in the wow. district she you know all the teachers knew our family everybody knew our family <laughs> and it was like okay if this can happen to trevor everybody knew trevor like he's such a good kid like what's going on like there was there everybody tried to start searching for answers you yeah. know and yeah. there wasn't answers but we all wanted to know what you know yeah. they wanted to know what we knew that they didn't know mm. that was hard like yeah, I
0: That was something that really came, that really stood out to me in your book. It's like, you're kind of searching for answers. So how do you reconcile that when, when you're, when you're searching for answers? I mean, devastating anyway, right? And then you're, then you're trying to search for answers. Like, how do you reconcile that?
1: Yeah, I think, um, and my husband is an engineer and he likes to solve problems. And Mm -hmm. for them, him, this unsolvable problem was so difficult i remember we had the phone you know back then we had those like well flip well it was like a slide phone trevor mm-hmm. had a slide phone and mm-hmm. rob was trying to get into that phone he wanted to see what was on the phone There were, i don't think we ever got into the phone now that i'm thinking about it but it's like right. well, the answers in the phone you know there must be answers like where are the answers of why this happened it was so it was just so confusing and I think too, your mind doesn't want to deal, like you don't want to deal with the pain. So you're trying to look for something else. Like there's something else we should be focusing on, you know, like yeah, know what it is, but there's a reason. So let's start focusing on this thing, you know?
0: <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. yeah, I can imagine. You know, my brother, unfortunately, he, I also, I lost my brother to suicide as yeah. well. And, and Fortunately, I guess we did have some answers. He had received a diagnosis just a few weeks yeah. before, so there was some understanding that there was a chemical imbalance and so forth. But gosh, how hard to, to yeah. kind of be in this position like what in the world happened yeah. to just ha- yes. suddenly have have this experience It's
1: weird because you go to bed one night and everything is normal, and the next day you wake up and nothing It's weird, right? Like one instant changes everything. And that was so strange, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, I had never, I lost my brother to cancer, but it was so different than this. You know, Mm -hmm. my brother died of cancer. Well, we watched him suffer for four years and then he died. It was almost like a relief. Like, you know, I mean, everybody knew, you know, it was just so different than this. And this to me was just mind like I didn't know what to do you know or think and neither did anybody else which makes okay. it so hard for me trying to grieve you know trying to grieve and take care of kids and yeah yeah so was,
0: how di- how did you navigate that <laughs> I would say I didn't do it very
1: well for the first several years I was just um, I feel like I was sort of existing but I wasn't really here that's what it felt like to me you know, and. I mean, when I look back on it, I think I wish I had some of the stuff I have now, the coaching tools and all of that. But then again, I think, well, I was probably supposed to go through whatever that was. You know, it's like you try to reconcile that in your head, like you wish you could go back and change it, but maybe it's fine the way it was. I was not doing well. I did not do well, at least for the first three years. And I don't, really like to put time limits on things because then people want to say, oh, that's going to take me three years. Right. (laughs) No, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to warn everybody when I say that, that was my experience. It does not have to be anybody else's experience. (laughs) But um, for me, you know, I think those first years were just, the first year was so just shocking. It's like just trying to wake up every day, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The second year was just like, almost worse than the first. Like it was just this weird thing that happened. And I learned so much about grief and, and trying to raise children who are grieving. Right. So difficult, you know, when you're grieving, how do you raise your children? <laughs> I agree. Like that was something that I really struggled with, you know?
0: Well, and your mm-hmm. children are grieving too. And yeah. so it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's tough tough to navigate. How, yeah. how did your kids yeah. do with all of that? Yeah, of course, we just wanted them to get help.
1: You know, you want them to get counseling. So you try to, them to go, of course, they're not always willing, you know, no, we don't need that. Like, um, I think I would say my middle daughter had the hardest time, you know, she was at 13 at the time. And I think that's a hard age anyways, that's middle school, all that stuff. But um, she Definitely felt like nobody understood what she was going through. You know, that was really hard for her, having friends at school who had no idea how to deal with her or any, you know, it was, and so the in the same way, I had the same stuff going on as an adult. You know, I, none of my friends knew how to deal with me. Right. <laughs> so we kind of had similar things, but she was at such a different age and different stage in life and all of that. And it was just really tough, but we did get the kids help. Finally, all of them got their own help. And I feel like they're all doing, you know, well, like, you know, I hate to always say like, they're doing well, because how do you know? Almost Right. You don't know. I assume they're doing great, you know? So,
0: well, and, and I, and I, I just, I commend you for even saying to them, let's, let's get you some help. I mean, I just, even, I just think even that sends a message to your kids. Like, you know, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I may not be able to solve all your problems. I may not, be, but I'm here for you and I'm, I'm going to give you whatever resources you need. So. Yeah,
1: exactly. And please use them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went and sought help right away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder to get your husband to go to seek help, you know, but it's just we all had our own grief journey, really. And that's the other thing I want to say about our marriage. Like it was so different. Like some people I, I think think that this kind of thing could make your marriage stronger. Maybe that's the case. I can tell you it wasn't the case for us. It was more like why, you know, I was upset that he wasn't like, he was upset. I wasn't angry. And then I was upset that he, why are you so angry? Why aren't you sad? You know, like it was just, we always were in a different spot and neither of us could support the other one. And it was really hard.
0: It is really hard. Yeah. I, that and I just did a an episode on improving relationships, and I talked about that very thing. It, it just, yeah. it felt like at first it kind of brought us together because you're kind of you're you're trying to tackle this situation, this shock that's just happened. So you kind of come together yeah. for whatever amount of time, a short amount of time that that takes place, yeah. and then your grief just takes you in different directions. Yeah, and and there's really such a mis, misconception that it will just continue to bring you together, and yeah. that just does. Yeah. I wasn't my experience either. Oh, so.
1: well, that is interesting because I've heard other couples say, "Oh, yes, it, you know, my husband is so loving and blah blah." And I'm thinking, really, <laughs> you know, I just like I didn't have that experience, you know. Well. But,
0: and I, I, did, I think it goes back to the whole thing of, of the misconception that we need to be strong for others, is, which is yeah. what we try to do, especially as parents, like I had other kids, you had other kids. Yeah. And so you're trying to hold it together enough that you can be there for your kids and be strong for them. And and sometimes there's a one partner or the other that decides they're going to be strong. And that happened for us at the beginning because I was injured, you know. And oh. so it was my husband taking over the role of being strong and kind of taking care and it kind of coming from that direction but then over time yeah your your grief you can't just always be that person that's being strong <laughs> yeah you no know, it's so, and and it's yeah. and it's actually not it's not something it's that's not really doable either. it's not either doable need, you have to
1: take care of yourself but i think that's what was missing for me in the first several years is i wasn't taking care of myself like i wasn't figuring out well what do i need like what do I need to start healing instead of me focusing on my husband's anger and the community and all their issues with the suicide and the school not that, you know, like what I was doing is instead of focusing on me healing, I was out there going, Oh my gosh, there's all these issues and there's a suicide thing and we need to figure that out. And like, you know, I think the healing would have been the better part (laughs) is me working on myself. But you know, You can't go back and change it.
0: Right. Well, and and don't you think that's kind of a natural reaction? Because it's just so painful. I think you're you're looking for something.
1: Right. You're looking for something outside of yourself to focus on. And for me, it wasn't really my job. I know like a lot of guys will say, well, I just go to work and I just work. And for them, that can work. For me, you know, I think for women, it's all mixed together. And so the job is unbearable too. I just, I had a hard time functioning at work. It was just really terrible. And so I didn't feel like I had anybody telling me, like there wasn't a person saying, hey, how about if you do this? Like how, you know, like there wasn't, wasn't like any guide or like a coach or anybody like therapists. I was just telling the same story over and over again, but where was the guide, you know, telling me, Um, you know, maybe you should try this, or maybe that would work at like work was just so bad, right? And nobody understood Mm -hmm. my pain. Yeah. So it's really interesting where I can go back and look at how much of a victim I felt like at that point, right? I really felt like the victim of everything, you know,
0: I'm sure. And did you find yourself trying to explain so people would understand at some (laughs) level? You try,
1: but like even the compassionate friend support group in our area, nobody had lost a child to suicide. I I felt so even in that scenario where all those people have lost children, I still felt like an outsider. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but you don't, you guys, why aren't you dealing with like the school doesn't want to talk about it? They don't want to talk about suicide prevention and awareness. You know, like we had a lot of things going on. Mm. <laughs> it's just like really complicated, you know? So
0: so when was the turning point? Because I know that's not where yeah. you're at now. Like I know, I know that you're in a place where that's you, rate. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, there was a turning point. I always say this story where I remember one morning waking up and saying, "You know what? I cannot live like this anymore." Like I don't really know why. I th- had the thought that said, "Nobody's gonna come change my life for me." Like yeah. literally, it was like this big sign in my head. Nobody's. It was like a big like banner. <laughs> Nobody's going to change your life for you. You have to actually go figure it out if you want to learn to live with this. Like, how are you going to? How are you ever going to find happiness again if you don't start working on it? And that was kind of—I just—it was such a clear message, and it was like, oh my gosh! And then I thought about my daughters. My daughter was eight, my youngest, when when Trevor died, and I thought somebody had told me and see, this is what I don't like about timelines. Another Mm -hmm. mom had told me who had lost her son to suicide. Oh, it took me about eight years. In my head, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, in eight years, that would be half of my baby's life, half of Annika's life. I would have been depressed and grieving and, you know, stuck and icky, right? Like, what kind of life is that, (laughs) you know, for my girls? So I really thought about my daughters. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I need to figure it out so that I can show them, like, I want to be an example for them. Like, hey, even though we had this horrible thing happen, let's, you know, figure out, we're going to figure this out. We're strong. We can recover from this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really Mm -hmm. wanted, but that did not come initially. (laughs) It took several years, but when it came, it was so powerful. It was very motivating. Like, I have got to do something that's it. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to go
0: do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's awesome. Very good. Well, so tell me tell me what that looked like then. Like you got yeah. up that morning and then what? I don't know. Well, the first thing I did was
1: I started getting back into reading self-development books because I had done that my whole life. But then Trevor died and I thought, oh, that's all hopeless. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. kind of went into a cave. But I was like, wait a minute. So I started reading some motivational stuff again. But then I also told my doctor that I wanted to work on weight loss I thought maybe if I lost some weight because I had gained 40 pounds after Trevor died like it was a lot Mm -hmm. you know and I was like I need to I said what if I lose like wouldn't it help if I lose weight so he that was actually the initial thing that got me started because through that channel of asking my doctor about weight loss he found this um, John Gabriel I think the guy's name is I ended up joining John do you know who John Gabriel is
0: I don't, but I remember you talking about that. The
1: Gabriel that. method. Okay, so that actually, that did not change my life to lose the weight. That changed my life because John Gabriel told me I need to go find an EFT coach. And I found an EFT coach through his website. And because he knew I had told him I lost my child to suicide. I think I'll never be able to lose weight. Blah. I went on and on about that. He's like, I want you to stop the weight loss right now. Go find an EFT coach because the grief is in your cells. I had never heard that before. I'm like, it's in my cells, you know. And so um, I hired an EFT tapping coach. And I don't know if people don't know what that means, emotional freedom technique. And that was like my first coaching experience of somebody actually helping me with my thoughts and like getting rid of all this anger and it was
0: interesting, right? Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit more. I know it's hard because uh, we're mostly on audio, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a podcast. But if yeah. you could just explain just briefly what EFT is, what tapping is, it's a technique that I've used as well.
1: Yes. Well, it's just it uses the meridian points of your body, which are the same points that they use for acupuncture. I have never gone to acupuncture. However, I guess it's the same points and it's like an energy thing. And so what you do is you take your fingers and you tap on these different points. And of course, I think there's some, you know, most of the time, I think they're mostly the same points. Some teachers teach it differently. But what you do is you talk while you're tapping, which is so fascinating. Like I had no idea what this is when I started using it, but it was so interesting how I was able to release so much emotion. And it was amazing to me because I thought what we were going to work on was my grief. What we ended up working on was all the problems with my job. (laughs) There was a ton of anger. Interesting. Yeah. What happened, though, is because we released all that, I was able to now make decisions for my life, which helped so much, you know. Um, What I didn't know is that I wasn't making any, like, I was so stuck in not making decisions I just didn't know how anymore. I was like, well, I don't know how to make any decisions. I don't really think I'm in control of my life. Yeah. You know, did you feel a little bit like that after your kids died? Like, right. I don't I can't control anything anymore. Oh well, you know, I mean I almost <laughs> it's like, give it up. <laughs> just terrible. Yeah. It was a terrible feeling. And I felt like I regained control over a lot of my own stuff after I hired my tapping coach. I'm like, oh, I do have control over my own decisions. Yeah, it was a weird period of my life, you
0: know. So fascinating, and and I have found this as I've worked with people, and even as I've worked on my own things, is that it's just we we think that the most important thing is is A, B, or C. That this is what we need to work on, and then as we work on these other things, it just it, it working and improving on one thing can create so much growth. Yeah, Not in just that one area, in so many areas. I mean, I love the saying, like, how you
1: do one thing is how you do everything. So it's like, oh my gosh, when you start healing this part, all these other things happen. And it was just amazing. Just amazing work. And I think that's the first time where I really felt the power of a life coaching situation, not a business coaching. I've had, I had had business coaching in the past before mm-hmm. Trevor died. I had a business but this was like life. This is like a different kind of coaching. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is amazing, you know? And yeah, it was after that, that I actually, um, got inspired to write my book. so at first I had to leave my job. I had to do a bunch of stuff first. Then I got inspired to write my book. Then I got inspired to be a coach. So it kind of all had its little spot, you know? Yeah. So tell us a
0: little bit about writing your book. I, I was super impressed with your book and, and super (laughs) impressed with your ability to tell your story in a really honest, um, real way. Oh
1: yeah. I can talk about that. So there was a, okay. So there was, it it was interesting because I had always thought I wanted to write a book. Like even from the time I was in high school, I was a, a I know this word, voracious reader, honestly, that's who I was. I read like everything. I'd be reading, like, and this is honestly how Trevor was, my son. He would be reading at a basketball game, at the hockey game, like, he, anywhere we went, he had to have a book with him. Like, he wasn't interested in what was going on over there. He's in his book. But, anyways, I was that kind of kid, too. And I always thought, I want to be an author someday. Never did I think this is what I had to be an author about. Like, I just had a thought, someday I'll probably write a book, you know? And after. It was in 2016, so I had already quit my job. In August of 2016, I was able to quit my job. I was so happy with that decision. And then I was still trying to figure out what my business was gonna be, because I wanted to go back to having my own business, and I still thought it was something with accounting. (laughs) Because I was Mm -hmm. an accountant, I thought I have to do accounting. But the thing that happened is one of the people that was in a business group I was in said, Hey, I know you've been thinking about writing a book. There's this one program and I can tell you it was Chandler Bolt's program. Um, that teaches you how to write a book in 90 days and publish it. I'm like, no way you cannot write a book. in like, I thought it, you know, I had this idea in my head. It takes like three years. Like you do like a manuscript or something.
0: I don't know what, the,
1: what's the Like I had no idea what the process was.
0: Back 20 years ago it. when you had to send in a manuscript.
1: <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And yeah. the publisher and, and
0: got to find, I don't know.
1: And anyways, so I, I went and watched the webinar and I totally got inspired. I'm like, I think I could write a book, but I really didn't think it was going to happen in 90 days. I thought I would just get started. (laughs) So this, this book thing went on my vision board in December of 2016. And in February of 2017, I started writing it and in May, it was complete and published on Amazon. I was like, Oh my gosh, you just got to follow the steps and you get a book. It's amazing. But really what I have to say is the story was waiting to be told. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't at like there was no difficulty whatsoever. It was like, I, I just came every morning. I sat down and wrote for 30 minutes for like 27 days straight. It took me 27 days to write my rough draft. That was after I had done some pre-work like outlines and stuff. But I was like, what? Like, this is so fabulous. Cause people were talking about writer's block and Blah blah blah. I'm like, there's none of that going on. It was like literally, and I have to say, I don't know. I am, I'm a Christian, so I felt like God was like sending it to me, like, here, this is what you got to say. And I was just like writing it down as fast as I could. (laughs) I've never, I know, I never thought it would be so easy, truthfully. Yeah, I don't think that's everybody's experience, but it was mine.
0: So well, it's, it's inspiring. It's inspiring that, uh, yeah. that you had that experience. And, and certainly it probably isn't everyone's experience. But yeah. like you said, you were inspired to write it. And then you yeah. got the inspiration as you did write it. So. Right.
1: Oh, and then one other thing I do want to say as a caveat, too, is that I did have a lot of fears because of my story, because of suicide and what that means because of the family I had so many fears about me putting my book out there. But here's how I decided. I decided that I'm telling my story. I'm not going to tell it. Like, I'm not going to say about other people in the story necessarily. Like, unless it's something like I, they said directly to me or, you know, it's my experience of the story. I'm not going to talk about my husband's experience of the story, right. for instance. Like, that was so important to me. And I was very clear from the beginning that this is my story. This is the way I, that I experienced it. This is not going to be like my husband's story or my mom's story or my sister. Like I'm not going to do any of that. Do you know what I mean? Um, And that helped me to guide me to make sure it was in, it was clearly me. And I didn't let uh, let my husband read it until after it went through the first editing process. He was not allowed to read it. (laughs) And it was really good because I didn't want it to be his story. Right. It had to be my story. Because I could just imagine me going, oh, shoot, he thinks that's wrong. I shouldn't say it that way. And now I'm changing my whole book around. Yeah. And then it's no
0: longer your story.
1: It was never going to get done that way. So I was like, nope, I made a decision, a conscious decision. And, you know, it was very hard for him, for me to have him read the first draft. I mean, yeah. after the first edit, I was like, oh my gosh, my husband, I was thinking about it. He was on a plane to somewhere reading it. And I was like, oh my gosh, what does he think? That was really <laughs> hard. <laughs> so hard. <laughs>
0: oh, but,
1: can... uh, you know, but I knew it needed to be told. I just knew it. I'm like, there's not a lot of authentic. I read a lot of books after Trevor died. I don't know. Did you do that too? After I did. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to find the one that was going to tell me all the real stuff. And I didn't find a lot of them that told the real stuff, (laughs) you know, I found a lot of like kind of glossed over things like, you know what I mean? And I was like, no, I want to tell you really what, how painful it is. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you about the raw things that happened that nobody wants to talk about
0: because
1: I, nobody was talking about it with me, you know? Oh,
0: and that's so important. And I I know, I know that you've received a lot of great response from that. It's been really helpful to people.
1: Yeah. Even people who haven't lost a child, they read it and they're like, Oh, and they write to me. Oh, your book helped me so much. I know that was fascinating. I'm like, Oh, and this helps other people, (laughs) you know, because I suppose if they can see that you can survive this, whatever that tragedy is you went through, they can also survive yeah, whatever they're, you know, whatever they're facing. So it is really fascinating.
0: You know, a, a couple of things that really have stood out to me as you've been talking is this idea, idea of making a choice, of making a decision, and that's really been so key in your in your rebuilding your life. For sure, you
1: have to make decisions, <laughs> and you have to make, and you have to know it's your choice too. For one thing, when initially I didn't think I had a choice but to be sad for the rest of my life that was really sad, right? What if you have a thought? This is the rest of my life. It's going to just be horrible. I think that's what my thought was.
0: And And that's that is exactly why I do this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, because I've seen that too often. And so I am so grateful that you said that because it doesn't have to be the choice, does it? It doesn't have to. Yeah, I know. And it's so
1: of course, in the first well, see, what people want to tell you is it just takes time. It just, you know, you hear all the platitudes, right? At the beginning, none of that's like those platitudes don't really help. I have to say, like, it's just like, well, you don't know what, like, here's my, my thought I was, you don't even know what I'm going through.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've How up. do you know? <laughs> you, <Yeah. don't> know.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, or just put it in God's hands, or, you know, they tell you all the stuff, right? But I'm like, really, the only way. For me to heal was to get to a point where I understood that I had a choice about it. I have to choose to go forward in this direction or that direction. That direction leads to just a lot of pain and suffering and, you know, bad feelings all the time. And this way leads to inspiration and hope and, and happiness in my life and being an example for people. And I think I choose that, you know. I'm really, I'm really grateful I did choose that, you know. I see so many people who spent years in years suffering. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's so good. Because, because really, truthfully, it's not that time heals. It's what we do with the time. Exactly. And so you made a choice to move yeah. forward with your time.
1: I know you can spend all your time not moving forward if you if you want that. But that's yeah. just not what I think most of us want. But um, or you can use your story as a being a victim the rest of your life. I mean, some people must get something from that too. I just don't think that that's helpful for most of us, you know. Um, But yeah, so I'm really grateful that the story came so easily that I was able to tell it in an authentic way because it really rang true for so many people. And I've now heard from other authors who came and told me because of your book, I was able to write my book. I'm like, really? Wow. Like I had no idea what the impact that was going to be, which is why I feel like it was just so spiritually guided. Like, if you learn to listen to your intuition and just follow through with it, it's amazing what comes out of that, you know? Because that was totally intuitively guided, that book was. So, yeah. I don't
0: know. <laughs> that, is, that is excellent. I, I just love that. I, I You also men- mentioned a vision board, and, and yeah. I've talked about vision boards on the podcast before. So, I would yeah. love for you to take just a couple minutes and yeah. talk about how your vision board came about and, and how you use a vision board.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, okay, so I don't, at the moment, I think the one that I had on my closet wall is now in the garbage, because I was like, Oh, my <laughs> gosh, I totally outgrew that vision board. <laughs> like, I haven't put one together lately. But I mean, vision boards, for me, it's just like a um, a pictorial of, of what things you want, are dreaming about in your life. Like, what's the vision for your life? I love like seeing a picture. And I sometimes have it on the background of my computer, you know, like a picture of, what does it feel like to have total connection with people that I'm working with in my business? Like what kind of retreats do I go to? Like, what does my marriage look like? You know, like what kind of vacations I just love to put that stuff. And so the book I had like this quote about it. It said something about, I found a quote on Pinterest, something about write the most human, honest, something kind of book that you have inside. I remember that. Yes, yeah. that was the quote, and it just was so inspiring. So, yeah, a vision board can be quotes, or it could be vision, you know. So my idea of vision is just having it somewhere where I look at it once in a while. It just kind of reminds me. It's like a visual reminder of, oh, yeah, this is what I'm working towards, you know. Yeah. And, of course, vision boards, you know, I don't know if people remember the secret movie. I mean, it's not like you just look at it and it appears. <laughs> I just don't <laughs>
0: you have to actually go action it it takes 30 it takes 30 minutes every day for 27 days
1: (laughs) you actually have to take some action (laughs) so yeah anyways that's what that's just just inspiring to me
0: i heard a quote from another podcaster recently who said that the opposite of depression is not joy it's vision it's it's purpose it's purpose fascinating. Yeah.
1: I because that was so purpose good. is actually in the title of my second book. As like, what do people want after they lose a child? They're like, do I have a purpose anymore? You know, some of them are like, am I really a mother anymore? Like, you know, there's all these questions.
0: Right. And so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so good. So good. So tell me what your life looks like right now. Okay. So right now I am...
1: So, I mean, I I did build my own coaching business. I do speaking. Um, I love speaking too. So I go to the Compassionate Friends Conference in the summer and I speak to that audience. I love that because when I can speak to specifically moms who've been through what I've been through because I love to be an example for them. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you don't have to write a book or speak. That's not what I'm saying. But what if you could just find something you know, that you like to do, you know? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, so I like to speak, and then I love leading retreats. And you know, my my retreat that's coming up is actually the first one I'm doing for just moms who lost a child to suicide, which I think is going to be fabulous. So, um, but otherwise, I'm still married to my husband. <laughs> that's actually a win. <laughs> Right. I'm just like, okay, yeah. I think we we've been married almost 27 years now, so we had a lot of rough times, you know, after Trevor died. But you know what? I feel like that was a choice too. If we're talking about choices, I remember specifically making a choice in my head that you know what, through through thick and thin, and sickness and health, and till death do us part. I made these things. I'm gonna stick to my commitment here. No matter how hard this is, you know, because um, we had such, yeah, so many hard days. And so I feel like that is a win in my life, <laughs> that, we just, that we are truthfully making it together <laughs> still, you know, even though we still have. My husband still does grieve some things that he hasn't dealt with. And, but you know what? I feel like um, I'm learning a lot from that, too, you know. Yeah. It's like How do you support somebody over the long term? because uh, grief might be longer term for some people right and so so yeah and my kids are I have just one the 15 year old left at home now the baby's 15 and um it's yeah we just do a lot of traveling and stuff it's really fun you know That's I great. love I love the picture of of me in Hawaii my husband and I went to Hawaii for our 26th wedding anniversary and we went to one of those luau things. So I've got these two guys next to me, <laughs> those luau guys. Right. I mean, they were something else. And I have the most beaming smile on my face. And I remember my friends saying, like, that looks like the old you. Like, they hadn't seen such joy on my face since my son died. Like, and I was like, that is so true. I have come to a place where I can seriously feel joy in my life. Like it really, it's real pure joy. Like it's happiness, joy, um, well, purpose, all of that stuff, right? That's
0: yeah, which, which really speaks to the fact that we, we never go, go back to being exactly who we were before, but it doesn't mean that it has to yeah. all be hard. No. And of
1: course, we still have the ups and downs, like any human does. Right. It's not like I'm happy every single day, like 100% of the time. Just because I'm a life coach does not mean <laughs> that I'm now happy all the time. <laughs> but it just does mean that I know how to, I know how to allow my sadness, because it does come still, you know, mm-hmm. and it's okay, right? The sadness comes sometimes when Trevor, I think about him, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, his, his friends are getting married now. And I'm going to his friend's weddings. And that is one of the things that does bring some sadness. It's like, yep, here I am at another friend's wedding. Like, what would Trevor be doing right now? He'd probably be standing with his friends up there. You know, like that kind of stuff. It's just, yeah. I'm sure you've gone through some
0: of that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's
1: still the sadness. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, um, tell us how we can get a hold of you how people can find you about your books well
1: so my books shattered and after your child suicide are my books and those are on amazon but um you can look up my name rebecca turbo but rebecca is my website i also have a a free guide for parents who've lost a child it's called is this normal and it's called, it's com slash normal. So it's easy, right? com slash normal. And you'll get a free guide that, because so many times I get parents asking, well, is this normal? You know, like, is this, are these things I'm supposed to be going through right now? Like, it's really interesting how grief is. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things about that. So that guide talks about that. Yeah, and then they can find out at my website about my Healing Hearts Retreat and stuff like that. So
0: excellent. Well, I'll put all of your contact information, your website, and um, links to your books in the show notes so yes. people can find that. Thank you. And then, um, and in parting, uh, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. But. If if you had to give one or two, at the most, <laughs> you know, um, tips to somebody who's lost a child, what what would be kind of top of mind for you? I mean, first of all, to
1: allow all of the grief. I think that one thing I didn't do soon enough is allow all of it, that it's normal. Like, for one thing, it's all normal. You're going to might feel some really strange things, but you need to go through it in order to heal. and so when i tried pushing it away there wasn't any healing going on. so you have to allow all the grief. i would say that was would be my top tip but my other one is like too everybody around you who's grieving like your husband and your children they're all grieving in different ways than you are and so it doesn't pay for all of us to get upset about how someone else is grieving or how they should be grieving or how they shouldn't be grieving. like we did a lot of that too. And that caused a lot of issues, so just I think those are two good things, right? Just yeah,
0: that's excellent and i, I think you point pointed out some really important things being patient with ourselves, allowing yeah. the grief and uh, and so that it it can you can process it if if you if you're just stuffing it, you're not yeah, yeah, it's not working, <laughs> and this whole idea that everyone grieves differently, and the judgment just doesn't help the judgment of ourselves or others just doesn't yeah. help anything so Exactly. Excellent, very good. Yes. well, thank you so much. I thank just you. i i I loved getting to know you, and I'm so appreciative of you being here today. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. I was so happy to have Rebecca share her story with us. It's not a story that happened overnight, and that's something we we need to remember, but it is uh, wonderful to see Rebecca sharing with others how she was able to rebuild so that she could enjoy a good life going forward. Remember to join us on Facebook at Build a Life After Loss and head over to buildalifeafterloss.com and pick up your three practices to start feeling better now. That's what we want, right? We want to start feeling better now. I will talk to you next week. Remember, I love you. I believe in you and we'll see you next week. Bye.